Happy Resurrection Day, Cross Point Church. Boy, it's good to see you this morning. He is risen. I know I heard it all the way out in this field. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I'd like to invite you this morning to take your Bibles, take your devices, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. This morning, we're going to encourage our souls in the fact that we have a living hope in the resurrection. Uh, what amazing encouragement that, Paul, uh, that Peter gives us in 1 Peter. Before we even get into the text, though, would you worship with this song this morning with the worship team, Living Hope? Body, we 
began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me it came the morning that sealed the promise the very body began to breathe out of the Again, thank you for joining us for study this morning. Before we even jump into the scriptures, would you join me in a word of prayer this morning? God, you're so good to us. We want to thank you for your grace and your mercy and your kindness. Oh God, we thank you for the significance of this day, Resurrection Day. We thank you for the sufficiency of the cross of Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection. And I want to pray today, Father, that you would overwhelm our hearts with the living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Bless now as we, we take this next segment of time and study your word. I pray that it would be clear. I pray that our hearts would be engaged with your word, that this would not just be a, a story time, a time to make us feel good, but this would be a time that we truly engage in your word. And when we pray these things, we pray them in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, the risen King. Amen. So right now you should already be in 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll jump into that text in just a minute. <clears throat> but I want us just to acknowledge some of the obvious facts around us today. What is going on? I mean, just look at any one of the headlines and we're in the midst of gloom and doom. We're in the midst of, of, of bankruptcy and economic failure. We're, we're in the midst of weakness and sickness. I mean, if you doubt any of that, look at the, the New York Times, any of the headlines this week. If you doubt that, look at the, uh, the Wall Street Journal. 
even come to California, LA Times, any one of these newspapers, look at the headlines this week. You know, as I was thinking through that this week, I was overwhelmed with, with two thoughts about our society. Number one, our society, the society we live in, is scared to death of death. We're, we're freaked out about the thought of death. I mean, it puts, puts us on edge. We're scared to death of, uh, of death. And then secondly, here's another thing I was thinking of this week. Not only is our society scared to death of death, number two, we're grasping for any glimpse of hope that we can possibly find. Hope. Uh, this week, I, I dared to listen on Monday night, it was, uh, to David Muir on ABC News and Nightly News, National Nightly News. And after, after painting this amazingly dramatic, grim picture of the world we're living in, uh, here is the, the way he introduced the last, state, the last segment of his entire broadcast. Finally tonight, glimpses of hope. <laughs> Man, I took that, and all through the night I was thinking about that. All through the next day I was just thinking, finally tonight, glimpses of hope. And then a smile came across my face. And I was overwhelmed with this, that brothers and sisters in Christ, we have never lost our eternal hope. We don't have to have glimpses of hope. Right now, our lives thrive in hope. We are not driven by a crippling fear from weakness and sickness or doom and gloom. We are not scared of death. We are not scared to death of death. Why? Well, here's why. Because of an event that happened 2,000 years ago. An event that transformed the eternal existence of millions of followers of Christ. An event that can legitimately not be claimed by any other human being other than Jesus Christ. And here's the event. Jesus Christ, the eternal God-man, conquered sin and death and victoriously rose from the grave. The resurrection has provided for you and for me a living hope. Today my prayer is this, that we find significance in this living hope. Uh, I want to share this morning a passage that we can write on our walls, we can post on our refrigerators, we can meditate on all week long from dawn to dusk and then from dusk to dawn, a passage of scripture that will encourage us through these times of uncertainty, these times of suffering for many. Uh, a, a passage that can encourage our hearts with this thought that we have a living hope. So, would you with me this morning look at 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 3 and we'll read all the way to verse 9. So, a little bit lengthier of a passage of scripture. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Here's how this starts. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a, and here's the phrase we're focusing on this morning, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, 
kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last day. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through it, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Wow, what's happening here in this text? Well, if you look at the first two verses, Peter, the apostle, is writing to Christians who are and have and will experience suffering. Peter, a legitimate apostle of Jesus Christ, we need to make that clear, a legitimate apostle of Jesus Christ, to a group of followers of Jesus Christ who've been scattered around the known world at this time, precisely in this passage to those in Turkey, dispersed around. These are a group of believers who are going through intense times of suffering and uncertainty. And if they're not currently going through them, they will go through them. Peter is writing to this group of people and here is what he says to them in this, in this book that is saturated with a theme and the theme is hope. This book saturated with hope, he starts off this motivation with a compelling paragraph and in this paragraph he says this, he or God the Father has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So let's just dig a little bit into this phrase this morning. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. What is this living hope? Well, let's think about this word living. This is a hope that is lively. Say it that way. It's, it's lively. It's productive. In other words, it's not static. It's not stationary. It's not temporary. Look at it this way, it's, it's not once and done, it's not occasional, it's not even frequent. It's an active hope. It's a continuous hope. I mean, it's like that, that high mountain stream, that high mountain spring, nonetheless, that spring that never dries up. I mean, it's like that well on that property that is tagged into the most productive aquifer in the entire county that has endured every drought on record. That is this living hope. And Peter says this, he has caused us to be born again to a living, an active, and now what, here's the word, hope. This is what society around us is looking for, hope. But so often we tie this, and we've talked about this as a congregation, so often we've tied this this concept of hope in our current modern situation, our, our society, to wishful thinking. Well, that's not necessarily the way the Bible talks of hope. When you look at the scripture, this hope is confident expectation based on fact, not wishful thinking based on a desire. I'll say that one more time. Biblical hope 
is confident expectation based on fact, not wishful thinking based on desire. So this is not, I really hope uh, Pastor Andrew doesn't go too long this morning because my coffee's getting cold as well as my cinnamon rolls. Now, that's not this wishful thinking. Uh, this wishful thinking is not, uh, I hope this virus doesn't come north in California and take over Reading. That's wishful thinking. That's, that's not what this is. This wishful thinking is not, I really hope that sometime in the next week or two or, or three or sometime soon I can return to work and really my kids can return to school. Uh, that's not this wishful thinking. But this hope is this. I know there's a fact that I can hold on to with everything I've got. There's a fact that brings confident expectation in my life. And so this living hope is an active, permanent, productive confidence. And here's the confidence. It is of eternal life in Christ Jesus. I want to ask this question. Very clearly in this text, Resurrection Day, we serve a risen Savior. What makes this living hope possible? Well, Peter very clearly in this text says this. It is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The historic fact of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is undeniable. I mean, I want to tag it straight to the scriptures, though, this morning. I, I want us to remind ourselves of Romans chapter 5, verse 8. What does Paul say in Romans chapter 5, verse 8? But God demonstrated his love towards us, and while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The historic fact, the biblical fact of his death and resurrection come together in another text of scripture in 1 Corinthians 15. I love 1 Corinthians 15 as it explains the gospel to us. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says this in verse 3, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the whole scriptures. He was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance to the scriptures. But it doesn't stop there. The gospel is substantiated by the fact that he was seen. That's exactly what Paul says. And that he appeared to Cephas. Who's Cephas? Peter. Then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of them are still alive, Paul says at the time of this writing. Though some have fallen asleep or died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born. He also appeared to me, Paul says. So if you doubt if Jesus Christ was resurrected, remember this. He was seen after his resurrection by between five and six hundred people. Uh, the historic fact of eternal life through the resurrection, I believe, is seen very clearly in what Jesus Christ himself says in John chapter 11. He says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Verse 25, whoever believes in me, though he die physically, yet he shall live eternally. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. You will never experience this eternal death. You will have a living, abiding hope. I spent some time this week reminding myself of what secular skeptics and even liberal theologians uh, do in their lives to try to disprove the resurrection. 
uh, the great feats they go to to try to disprove this. And this morning, I'm not going to go through all the arguments for or against the resurrection, but I will tell you, after going through those this week, reminding myself of how amazing this resurrection fact is, I have more resolve in my mind now than ever that this is not speculation. This is not conjecture. This is not assumption. This is not theory. No brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a historic fact that Jesus Christ was buried and rose again. The biblical fact that we can hold on to today is this. We have a living hope, an active confidence through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, so now we're in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1. And I'm not going to take a long time here in 1 Peter 1 today, but I want us to detail, as Peter does, this living hope. I want us just to notice five details about this living hope. And like I said, I'm going to go rather quickly through these, so hold on. Take a look at those notes that are provided and hold on, because here we go. First of all, a detail about this living hope. Living hope flows from God's great mercy. This act of hope that we have right now is a practical expression of God's mercy to you. Peter says it this way, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Okay, so what is this great mercy? It is a holy God not giving rebellious, sinful humans exactly what we deserve. Okay, so to me, the adjective used by Peter before mercy actually says it best. It says it all. Uh, his great mercy. In other words, his large mercy, his massive mercy, mercy, his weighty mercy, his heavy mercy. The word picture is actually of a scale. His mercy weighs more. It's great. Okay, so the question then comes, well, what does his mercy outweigh? What does it weigh more than? Well, as you walk through the scriptures, it's very clear that his mercy outweighs our sin. Not only are we part of Adam's sinful race, but because of our rebellion against the holy God, we deserve eternal separation, death, punishment. The biblical fact is that there is absolutely no way on our own, through any good we could possibly do, that we can possibly tip those scales in the slightest. There's no way we can do this. In fact, as the Old Testament prophet says, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. What we think are good that could possibly tip the scales are seen as filthy rags. But, brothers and sisters, friends, those listening today, this is where the heaviness of God's mercy is placed on the scale. When our sin weighs heavy on the scale, the mercy of God tips the scales dramatically in the other way. I love how Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were, we were dead in our sins, our trespasses, he made us alive together with God. Christ, by grace you have been rescued, you've been saved. By mercy and grace, the scales have not only been tipped, 
the scales the scale has been locked into place never again to be disturbed because Jesus Christ in his great mercy rose Jesus from the dead rose from the dead brothers and sisters in Christ this living hope this active confidence we have flows from God's great mercy another quick observation a detail about this living hope not only does it flow from God's God's great mercy living hope is inseparable from new life in Christ uh, the verse 3 verse 3 says this according to his great mercy he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead he says this he has caused us to be born again this concept of born again is one of those kind of Christian needs concept that's thrown out there that that really needs to take some we need to take some time to think about I mean, this whole phrase, he has caused us to be born again. Other than the pronoun us, that entire phrase is one Greek word. And it is the word that means rebirth, to birth again, to beget again. God has enacted upon us to give us a new birth. However, just like Jesus to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, uh, we know this is not another, uh, he's not referring here to another physical birth. That's not physiologically possible in reference here. This is a reference to spiritual rebirth. A change from the inside out. This is a change, a transformation, a rebirth of our spiritual hearts. Our spiritual hearts destroyed by that sin and rebellion. Spiritually dead have now come alive to an eternal relationship with the Holy God. Note that the passage says, He has caused us to be born again. Oh, what a powerful phrase. He has caused us to be born again. Friends, this is not just part of a passive plan of God, who is, of a God who's watching with, with interest. No, no, no. This is an active plan of a sovereign God. An active plan that involves the personal salvation of individual souls like yours. The beauty of this rebirth is this. We can do nothing to earn this living hope, this rebirth. Not a single thing that we can do to tip the scales. Verse 5 says this, It is accessed only through faith. True biblical faith is this repentant faith that brings transformation to your heart. This faith is in Christ. The question I have for you today is this, whether young or old, whether a church member at Cross Point or just a friend tuning in today, have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone? Has he provided for you this living, active hope through his resurrection? Let's look at a couple, briefly look at a couple more of these details. Living hope flows from God's great mercy. We've already seen that. Living hope is inseparable from a new life in Christ. Living hope, third, is guarded by God into eternity future. This living hope is guarded. Can we see this in the text? Verse 3 again, according to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance, catch this, to an inheritance that is imperishable, it is undefiled, it is unfading, kept in heaven for you, 
who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. All right, I read these truths. I, I, I read them this week uh, several times, meditating on them. And several times with tears in my eyes, I thought, wow, this living hope is absolutely amazing. This active confidence is absolutely amazing. And I started to, to really meditate on this living hope. But then as I walked through the text, I thought, whoa, boy, the description, imperishable, undefiled, unfading. That's awesome. What an awesome living hope. But then as I went through the text further, my my heart started working towards this. God was bringing this to my mind. It, it's not just an amazing living hope. It is an amazing God. Look at the passage. Who by God's power are being guarded. He is the source of this guarding. He is the one who is guarding our living hope. He is so serious about this living hope that he is guarding it with his divine power. Uh, so two words grabbed my attention this week. First of all, kept in verse 4. Kept means to preserve. Another word in verse 5, guarded. Guarded means to protect. Like garrisons in a city, as, as one um, commentator says, Shriner says, as, like garrisons in a city to protect the intruders. Basically this, through God's power, our living hope for eternal life will be preserved and protected all the way into eternity future. Even though the pain and suffering of this life at times seems insurmountable, this living hope is guarded by a powerful God into eternity future. Brothers and sisters in Christ, rest assured of this, that the same power, the power of Jesus Christ, that conquered the grave is the same power that will preserve and protect your living hope. Hold on to that. Stake your claim in that. Ain't nothing going to steal that living hope from me. Not even a global pandemic, COVID-19. So, living hope flows from God's great mercy. Living hope is inseparable from new life in Christ. Living hope is guarded by God into eternity future. And two more quick ones. Living hope encourages joy through present trials. How is this said? In this rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know, now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Here's the point. Living hope encourages joy through present trials. What is this? This is the amazing assurance that present trials are not capable of derailing our eternal hope, our living hope. Rather, through trials, our living hope is proven to be unquestionably genuine as it thrives with joy. And the way it's expressed here is awesome. Joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. So can this joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory be seen through COVID-19? Absolutely. 
Our living hope is to thrive with joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. Yes, we weep with those who weep. No, we're not flippant or disingenuous in any way, but we rejoice that our living hope is not contained to this life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our treasures, they're laid up somewhere beyond the blue. One last point this morning. Living hope flows from God's great mercy. Living hope is inseparable from new life in Christ. Living hope is guarded by God into eternity future. Living hope encourages joy through present trials. Here's the last one. Living hope in brings glory to a praiseworthy God. How does Peter start all of this discussion? Look with me back at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The entire purpose of this living hope is not to make us feel good about our situation, to make us feel good about ourselves. The entire purpose of this living hope is not for us to find significance in our own abilities and our own endurance capabilities. No, the entire purpose of this living hope is not to make us puff out our chests and think we've arrived. No, brothers and sisters in Christ, the entire purpose of this living hope is wrapped up in this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the sovereign God of the universe would receive the glory he alone deserves. That we would fulfill our chief end to glorify God and enjoy him forever. What an amazing text this morning. For us to hold on to this resurrection day. If we are to summarize it all, we would have to say something like this. Through the uncertainties and suffering of this life, we must hold to the living hope that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A living hope that flows from God's great mercy. A living hope that is inseparable from new life in Christ. A living hope that is guarded by God into eternity future. A living hope that encourages joy in present trials. A living hope that brings glory to a praiseworthy God. So what? How will this text, this living hope text, change our lives this week? Well, I have a question for you. Has the resurrection of Christ given you living hope? Has the resurrection of Christ transformed your life? Another way of saying this is, have you ever placed your faith in Christ Jesus? And, and I'm not talking about simply a mental ex, uh, assent that Christ existed. A mental assent that said that Christ was a good man who did good deeds. And not even a mental assent that Christ went to the cross and died and rose again. Not simply a mental assent. True biblical faith involves transformation. Yes, all of those are biblical facts that we believe. But true biblical faith involves transformation of a new life, a new creation, a new birth, a real change from the inside out. So the question is this, have you come to Christ in true faith? Would today be the day? Resurrection Day 2020, would you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Scripture says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be rescued. One last question this morning. Will you hold on to your living hope this week? This week, 
amid all the uncertainties that we started off, we acknowledged at the beginning, just briefly, all of those uncertainties and suffering in this world right now, will you hold on to your living hope? We, will we live in joyful, active, thriving confidence through the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord? The passage says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He calls us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead.